You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 473, the most sexist songs ever recorded, handbags and man bags, and the Rolling Stone greatest 500 albums of all time. That's all coming up after D. Reem and You're the Best Thing. You're the Best Thing.
They are often remembered here in the UK for their song uh, Things Can Only Get Better, adopted mm-hmm. by the Labour Party as a sort of theme song in their successful general election campaign in 1997. Mm-hmm. This, though, I think is their best track, an absolute 1990s belter number. Well, it went number 72 in the UK in 1992, number mm-hmm. 19 in 1993, and finally number four on the UK Top 40 in the summer of 1994. Um, Things things could get better for it. (laughs) Indeed. Dream (laughs) and you're the best thing. I love that song. Great choice. It reminds me, partly because it reminds me of of being much much younger, which is always nice to be reminded to be younger, isn't it? But yeah, it's a lovely, it it just makes me feel like everything is possible and that is never a bad thing. So no, grand choice. Thanks, Terence. Hello and hooray. It's the Mm. latest edition of the Parish Council, episode 473. I'm Terence Stackham and... Well, winning the Mercury Music Prize this week, most unexpected, quite an achievement for Juliet Harris. Indeed, yeah, considering I've never released a, a full album in my oh, life. I've, oh, I've got confused great. again, haven't I? I, I? You might have done, although I always think it's lovely that you feel that I could do all of these things, even if it turns out that I very much haven't. So I'm always grateful for your support. You are the best thing, Terence. Thank you. But anyway, <laughs> didn't win the Mercury, delighted for Michael, Michael Kanawaka, who did. Um, uh, yeah, hello, everyone. <laughs> I just got confused. Now, it was a confusing time, Terence. Every day is odd. Yeah. Um, I've mentioned before that during lockdown, I established a bit of a habit late in the evening of watching old music videos on Mm. YouTube and then letting YouTube suggest the next one and then the next one and see where it takes me. It's good fun. I usually I start with the Beatles and follow on from there. (laughs) Yeah, a big shock to anyone who's ever heard this podcast. Yeah, I was doing this. I was doing this the other evening when mm. the automatic pick from YouTube took me to a song I hadn't heard for years and years. And originally I must have heard it as a very young boy on the radio. Mm. Anyway, the thing is, if you ever watched the TV series Mad Men from the 1960s and wondered mm. if that 1960s misogyny and sexism were overdone, then here I am to change your mind. Because the song I heard this week was originally made famous by Jack Jones mm. and he won a Grammy for Best Male Vocal Performance in 1964 for this. And it was written by Hal uh, David and, of course, Burt Bacharach. And it's mm. called Wives and Lovers. Mm. Big hit. And, Juliet, I'm going to read the lyrics to you now and see how you react to this. Okay, I'm this is already the... gripping the nearest stationary object. You, go you, on. you will need to. Wives and Lovers, Burt Bacharach, Hal David lyrics. Hey, little girl, comb your hair, fix your makeup. Soon he will open the door. Don't think because there's a ring on your finger, you needn't try anymore. For wives should always be lovers too. Run to his arms the moment he comes home to you. I'm warning you. Oh, man, there is so much going on. There is there none of it good. We're halfway there. Day after day, there are girls at the office and men will always be men. Don't oh. send him off with your hair stealing curlers. You may not see him again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, this. <laughs> hey, little girl, better wear something pretty, something you'd wear to go to the city and dim all the lights, pour the wine, start the music. Time to get ready for love. Oh, time to get ready for love. 
I mean, the bit which you sang was lovely. Uh, the bit, the other bits, less so, I'm afraid. The sixties really were a different place, weren't they? They were. Oh man, it's it's they they were. Or interestingly, that was sixty four, wasn't it? I yeah. wonder if you would have sung that four years later. I don't know. Probably. Possibly. It, possibly maybe not. maybe I'm I'm maybe I'm only that isn't there. Just one last point on it, Charles. I thought to myself, oh, I bet this song has been sort of covered up now and nobody you know refers to it at all. Tony Hadley of the Spandau Boys oh, covered it as recently as 2015 on an album. So it's still it's still being performed. I mean, for by God's people. sake, Tony, really is my view on that. But yeah, it's oh, you know, it's it's like you say, a very different time. But how strange that that I mean. But then having said that, I don't know anything about the politics or social views of Tony Hadley. But it does interest me that there are quite a lot of. There seems to be this kind of rising sentiment in Britain, and we saw, we saw it around Brexit, and I think now we're seeing it around the coronavirus response. Before Brexit, it was very much the it's the same people as the health and safety gone mad, massive. I think, and I remember the people that share those things around Facebook. I remember where you could buy penny sweets for a penny, and I had a scooter in my road, and we left our front door open, and all that all that kind of malarkey. And there is this kind of move back towards simpler times and the reason why it worries me particularly in the in the sense in the sense of things like the, the the brexit and the immigration and the and this kind of rejection of science with coronavirus isn't it funny that the same people that think that we should bring in the army are the same people that are complaining that their human rights are being impinged upon and that their liberties are being taken away do you know the great thing about human rights guys everyone gets them they're not just for you there for everyone but anyway that rant aside there seems to be this kind of rising sentiment behind all this that the thing that worries me is behind this kind of seemingly benign i wouldn't isn't it it wouldn't it be nice if we all had a sense of community again and it could be like the war and we were all together and we all hung out in bomb raid shelters together and we had that great sense of camaraderie why can't things be like that again now rather than all these people whinging about their rights and behind that there is this idea it's not doesn't surprise me hugely that there's quite a large white male element to this because they are the people that feel like they have been missed out. They've been kind of missed out the last few years because they can't have everything their own way anymore. I might be upsetting people by saying this, but I think it's largely true that that was the dominant force in society, often in not a particularly benign way, as per those Jack Joan lyrics. So, so when people say they want it to be like the good old days, those days weren't good for everyone, guys. But do we still have um, tricky lyrics these days? I I, th- I think maybe we do. We do. And and so I've done a little bit of research into it. As the, um, always makes me laugh when we say this, as this show's nominated young person, <laughs> I've had a little bit of a look into into things. And so we can go, so what, when we when we think of, you know, sort of ideas of, of, of the 60s and perhaps the swinging 60s not being hugely liberated as far as women's rights are concerned, we did have a bit of a 60s ducks in the 90s didn't we when there was a big sort of look back towards that era Mm. yet Although there was this kind of strain of ladism, I think there were lots of people that felt that the 90s were this more liberal place. And, you know, we were, we, you know, we, we therefore were doing the 60s, but better because we weren't being so dreadful to women, etc, etc. Or if we were, it was only a joke, guys. Well, I came across this song and I never remember, I never really clicked in how bad it was 
at the time. I was a big fan of the band Travis when I was younger, mm. and I very much got into their second album, The Man Who, as a result of which I then investigated their first album, which had been released in 1997. And from the album, This Is Good Feeling was the album. Now... I'm going to need you to brace yourself because, you know, I think Uh you, Terrence, will find this particularly dreadful. The song is called U16 Girls. Oh, Lord. What do we think? I'm already worried. No, exactly. Um, so, so it starts off with a typical rock and roll. The whole thing is quite a sort of a, a jolly brash rocker. It's quite kind of upbeat. It's perhaps a little bit harder than Britpop, the guitars, but it's still very much of that kind of, it's got that Britpop bounce to it. I met a girl in LA, the million dollar kind. She was awful all or nothing. She was open all the time. You think, okay, yeah, great rock star, mm. fast lady mm. in LA, all that kind of stuff. But when I called her number, her mother's on the line saying, you've no wit- business has got my as God's my witness with a child as young as mine, at which we break oh. into the cheery chorus. So make sure that she's old enough before you blow your mind. She may look like she knows her enough and look her but look her in the eye. This was 1997. This what wasn't 1967. I mean, and, and the weird thing is, is that they were they were then touted. And I, I really like Travis and I really like Fran, who's a songwriter. But three years later, the man who was being kind of touted as this new kind of slightly more gentle, emotionally sensitive sort of rock. It might well be that they deeply regret that song. I suspect mm. that Fran Healy probably wouldn't write it again now. But it is quite shocking to think that stuff like that was still going on 30 years later. And then if we spool forward another 20 years, give or take a couple of years, we get to blurred lines oh. by uh, Robin Thicke. If ever there was a native, ever nominated to tell yes, me action, it was Robin Thicke and Pharrell. Never quite sure what Pharrell was doing on that record. Mm. It was one of those things where they did actually get in trouble for it, but it was one of those sort of right result, wrong reason things where they managed to get themselves sued by the estate of Marvin Gaye for ripping off or allegedly ripping off Got to Give It Up as a sort of the baseline and actually my view was is that um blurred lines is an absolutely vile record mm. but it does not particularly sound like got to give it up by marvin Gaye. i felt that they were unlucky in that sense but i'm still glad that they ended up having to pay out a load of money and hilariously actually no maybe that is a bit unkind but anyway given that he sang these really dreadful lyrics that appear to kind of slightly justify you know sort of uh, you know, unwanted attention if you see what i mean towards women his wife then decided she didn't want to be his wife anymore so that was quite a quite a big irony of all that wasn't it really but but still the blurred lines i won't read out the lyrics to blurred lines no, but they're, they're really, awful, aren't they? really grim um but the thing is it was a huge hit wasn't it I mean, but but then having said that, interestingly, it was the music that drew people in. And I say this as someone that heard it when I was driving somewhere, driving to my parents, I think. I heard it on the radio for some reason. This must have been years ago because I was still just about clinging onto the back of the Radio 1 bus by my fingertips. (laughs) And it was on... I remember hearing the music and thinking, I really like this. That is a great tune. Mm. So I heard it and I thought, oh, that sounds fantastic. And so I downloaded it because I thought, oh, I love the music to this. It's great. And it was only when I had my headphones and I was out somewhere that I actually heard the lyrics and went, oh, my God, why mm. did I buy this? This is horrible. So, so you know, you could just go see, so you can smuggle in any old kind of uh, grim things. But interestingly, in the interest of balance, 
Mm-hmm. I ought to also introduce, um, and so I, so I have friends that are very big fans of Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. As am I. I think she's great. They see her very much as this kind of successful female empowerment kind of icon. And a, a, a friend of mine that is very much a feminist veteran that has fought the wars looked at me over the top of her glasses once, as she's wont to do, and said, Juliet, Taylor Swift is no sister. And I could never work out what was drawing her to that conclusion. This list that I'm going through on the Bustle website Better Than Revenge by Taylor Swift. And they said, unfortunately, the queen of girl power and squads may have given off quite a different impression with some of the lyrics in one of her songs. In fact, as the one her campus writer pointed out, part of Taylor Swift's shtick is to slut shame in her lyrics. In Better Than Revenge, she takes a swipe at a girl who apparently stole her boyfriend. She's an actress, but she's better known for the things that she does on the mattress. Shaming a romantic opponent for being sexual is not okay, Taylor. So, mm. so, so maybe in the interest of balance, most of these terrible lyrics seem to emanate from men and their treatment of women, but not necessarily all. If you see what I mean, and perhaps it is even more disappointing when, when you know, women push each other down by pulling each other up. There are also less surprising lyrics from people like, you know, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Guns mm. N' Roses, people like that. So, so it seems to me. And and that's so all. Now we're in the era where I know that you are a very current person, Terry. So I'm sure you've already heard of this. But there's currently a big hoo-ha over the Cardi B number WAP. Uh, Don't say what it stands for. I won't. Uh, it's honestly, it's like, it's like you think I've never been on radio. For goodness sake. Um, WAP featuring Megan the Stallion, which I can say. But yes, it's it's got some rather um explicit lyrics shall we say but maybe that is different because it is women empower them, empowering themselves so there has then been a huge debate over whether or not it is women actually empowering themselves and whether it is them sort of you know be, being subservient towards men once again who knows it's a, it's an endless debate that would seem uh, would never end but um, I've moved my microphone back now but um, but yeah it's um, over excited there and well you know it, it, what can I say my, me and Cardi B you know we go back a long way but um, but it's it's you know it's strange isn't it it seems to be less of an issue than it was but you don't have to dig very you don't have to scratch the surface very far to uh to, to find uh, unpleasant lyrics at the expense of women no i mean message to songwriters you know you can pen lyrics without being sexist or racist or promoting violence you know so hateful. yes indeed yeah very much agree Coming right up, the world of handbags and glad rags. Mm. That's right after... It's every podcast for us, though, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That's right after Snow Patrol and the Saturday Songwriters. God, I wish that you could see me See my soul and my desire Yeah, I wish that you could hear me Through the sound of all these fires If it feels like I could hate you the silence can't be hacked. No, I'm screaming out forever. Please come back, come back, come back. Although those nights before this, they're not like nights ahead. Inside this space between us, but things that won't need said. Words like God, I miss you, or I'm still reaching out. 
that on um, iTunes other Apple Music other outlets are available fruit based and otherwise um, I, I have a, a Friday playlist that gets sent to me I say this God, it's so self important they send the playlist to me on a Friday yes they did this for everyone it's not just me that they single out but anyway um, it was on my Friday playlist uh, this week um, we're recording this on Saturday so I heard this yesterday and I've listened to it several times since I really like it I know this band gets a lot of kicking in a lot of places but I just thought it was really nice i thought i just really enjoyed it i liked snow patrol in their very early days and then when they had their kind of big hit album um the, the one that i think it was called final straw the orangey one that had chocolate on it amongst other things um and run and stuff like that but i thought this was great i thought this was them back at their kind of basic best really and um it's from an ep um the the band is snow patrol and the saturday songwriters and this is reaching out to you what, what a superb track. It's rare that um, tracks hit me sort of first time, but I absolutely love that. And I must listen to the rest of that EP. And of course, it's, um, I believe, in aid of the Trussell Trust. So the yes, all sales. So much to be applauded. Yeah. Absolutely. So and, and I, I actually part of the reason I'm delighted you like you like it, because part of the reason I picked it is because I thought that you might. So I thought that actually having Thank spent you. what feels like year, and probably is years taunting you with terrible instrumentals, <laughs> I maybe finally should pick something that you actually like uh, you succeeded very well now to try and stop any confusion across the nations right at the start mm. here in america they call it a purse and in the uk we call it a handbag ah oh, well excellent it, could i say big big waves and lots of love to our friends over the other side of the pond now in the uk women might put a purse in their handbag but in oh. america a woman puts her wallet in her purse oh i mean uh, what, can we not just why are we still talking about these differences why can't we just come together and call it a bag i mean what you know why can't we just do that a bag and a money holder those are surely the answers here of course in the uk uh, men tend to have wallets but in their pockets so, so anyway i'm glad to have cleared all, <laughs> all even, of that don't up. even start on pants but no. anyway yeah these days handbags uh, we're, we're, we're not calling them purses today sorry america um handbags serve <laughs> more <laughs> yeah. yeah 
they serve for more than a practical purpose. They they can have a decorative use and they can have a one upmanship value mm-hmm. to the holder, one womanship. Yeah. Um, if they carry you know, the logo of an expensive brand, but Margaret Thatcher became renowned for always carrying a handbag, and Her Majesty the Queen is rarely seen without one. Indeed. A key question, Jules, is that as you are very often photographed, and these photos are often <laughs> to be found on Facebook in particular. I've seen probably more than a hundred photos of you, probably several hundred photos of you. There's one object that always seemed to be missing. Thus, here comes the question. Mm. Juliet, do you even own a handbag? Uh, I, 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 you're so literary, Terence. I enjoy your Oscar Wilde reference there <laughs> as well. Although that is me literary explaining, I suppose, to both you and our listeners. But anyway, do I own a handbag? Um... I'm not really, but one perhaps not shock you or our listenership to know that I'm not really a hand a habitual handbag person. I tend to carry round. I, I so so in my sort of work life, so we're in this weird place where I'm only actually going into work once a week. I'm otherwise working from home, but um, I. I don't often have little handbags. I've become this is not this is less surprising. I've become one of those people that has a. For George Raven Kanken classic backpack, and for those of you that aren't familiar, they're very much the Guardian Reader's backpack of choice. They come in bright colours, and they have a sort of a Scandinavian white and red logo on them. And basically, if you carry one of these, they're usually in colours like sort of mustard yellow. Mine is a sort of a reddy orange colour, and I put my work laptop in that. I don't have a folding bike, but I might as well do. I mean, it's it's one of those kind of um, people. People in W1A might have them, if you see what I mean. So, so I have the, I have my incredibly middle-class, tedious backpack. Uh, it was when I found myself putting cartons of apple juice in it that I realised that I was spiritually a middle-class parent, even if I'm not actually one. But um, so I'm a kind of a backpack, and at weekends I have my Soul Jazz Records shoulder record bags that I tend to wear around that are big enough to get 12, 12 inches of uh, of vinyl fun in. So, so I'm not. I've never really been a shoes and handbag. Sorry to interrupt you. What if you had to go to a a wedding or like a really, like say to the opera or someone invited you to, uh, you know, really swanky restaurant in London. So I just, I'm just laughing at the thought of me going to the opera. I love that you think that that is my life. The, the aspirations that you have for me are completely adorable. They never match the reality. But it's lovely that you kind of punch <laughs> up on my behalf. So thanks, Tez. Um, I um, So if I do have to go to things like weddings, I mean, I try and avoid big things like that, really. But if I do have to go to upmarket functions, then yes, I do have a couple of small handbag type things that I use for that occasion. But even then... I don't carry a lot round in them in terms of, I mean, I'm speaking as a woman that doesn't really wear makeup by and large. And it's amazing how little space you need when you don't wear makeup and you don't have, I don't, I don't wear makeup. I don't have children. So, so therefore the amount of stuff that I need to carry round is reduced by about 90% compared to if I had either of those things or particularly both of those things. So, so in terms of what I carry around with me, I tend to make I tend to always need my keys, my per my purse or wallet or however you want to define <laughs> that or self-define that and my phone. And then I have a couple of medicines that I have to have with me. But again, they're quite small. 
and that's it so usually these things can be accommodated in coat pockets or I mean again I'm not really a dress person but the only dress that I have has pockets so I'm a I'm a very pocket based and pocket focused person so so it's interesting isn't it I I'm not really a handbag person because I don't really have the kind of life or accessories that go with my life that mean that I have to have them really. So so I can understand your thing about the one-upmanship. It's, mm. it's interesting. You could dig into why women go for posh handbags. Oh, and maybe as well, that was then marketed at women. The, 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 the sort of malign side of that is that increasingly these things were marketed at women as an expectation that they had to have have to have this posh handbag because that makes you look like a, you know that's a status symbol i don't know it's a strange world terence i'm not sure i fully understand it <laughs> well yes i'll i mean i'll i'll do anything and go to extreme measures <laughs> to avoid carrying anything i mean it's an obsession to be honest with you mm. to, to go with the rest of my obsessions um i love being hands-free and i'd never carry a man bag or anything like it um what i've done in recent years i've taken to wearing one of a variety a variety of waistcoats or waistcoats mm, oh very nice uh, you, you really do cut a dash don't you I'm oh, a i fan. really do yeah yeah I'm, no i'm i'm really am a a flag wearer for style really i i, I lead the way and mm. um no, these waistcoats, they're marvellous to, to have because you've got to get a couple of extra pockets. So in this mm. strange time, some handy extra storage for hand gel and a mask is good. But what what I, I do, I, I until recently, in order not to forget the important items before going out, a bit like your sort of keys thing, mm. I used to check I had the Holy Trinity, which was wallet, keys and phone. And I yeah. used to say to myself, going, wallet, keys, phone, wallet, keys, phone, Holy Trinity, and rem- remember to take them. But now, of course, I've got four things to remember. I now it's the critical quadrilateral, I suppose. Mm. Now, because oh, I um, love that critical quadrilateral. Critical Two quadrilateral. more from them later in the program. Yeah, <laughs> wallet, keys, phone, and mask. Yes, so of course. Of course, you see, they all fit in your your trouser or your waistcoat uh, pocket. So, but I'm. Mm. I'm I'm so thoroughly pompous, as we know. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have gone quite that far. I'd have gone reasonably far, but not that far, I think. Well, I'll prove it by, because I wince when I see people carrying crucial crucial items like, you know, we were just talking about in an mm. old supermarket carrier mm. bag. And I could never bring myself to be seen in that fashion of about 20 years ago, what were horrendously called bum bags. Ah, you know, yes. That bulged out around the waist and kind of or, cried or out. Our American friends would call them fanny packs. They, they would, wouldn't they? <laughs> uh, but they kind of cried out to muggers, didn't they? So, you know, Here, come and get yes. me. Uh, it, and also, because they were much used by tourists, it's almost like you're yes. saying, come and get me. I don't come from, from here. <laughs> I'm in a strange land. I'm already disconcerted. I'm therefore a sitting target. <laughs> well, my philosophy is if, if it wasn't, if it won't fit in a pocket, I don't need it. No <laughs> don't want it. Absolutely. And and maybe maybe adopting that kind of selfish uh, sort of more male attitude is what has brought me enlightenment in terms of not having handbags. I'm not sure. But but yes, I agree. Though. Having said this, unlikely embraces of people that people uh, and I've, I've been very kind of down on the idea of men not carrying things or other people and, you know, and sort of not requiring things. 
My 79-year-old father became an unexpectedly late adopter of the man bag. Now, he has a canvas man bag that he carries a camera in. And his fa- he told me once his favourite, favourite Christmas present of the last 10 years was when I bought him a large canvas tote bag that had moths on it. And uh, the moth bag has to be checked in with the rest of the family before they go places in the car because he carries his book that he writes down what the weather's like in and birds he's seen and his binoculars and so maybe if you have a hobby you need a man bag to carry or, or a person bag to carry or just a bag to carry stuff around in so actually the most unexpected adopter of the man bag has been my elderly mm. dad who's very into it coming right up mm. who cares about the rolling stone list of top albums <laughs> That's because who cares about this podcast whilst we're on it but we're going to do it anyway <laughs> Turns out a lot of people do care about mm. this. That's right after this lovely cover version by the DMAs. No matter how hard I try, you keep pushing me aside. I can't break through. There's no talking to you. I'm so sad that you're leaving. It takes time to believe it. But if they're all said and done You're gonna be the lonely one, no
can't seem to uh, get going in terms of selling singles, but their albums are hugely popular. Three albums so far, each doing mm. better than the previous number. 36, then 13, then four on the UK album chart. This, though, was a non-album single recorded for the Australian radio station Triple J and their wonderfully named feature, Like a Version. Um, <laughs> Very good. And with a cover of the massive hit for sure, the DMAs and Believe... Well, and I have to say, a fair play to the DMAs for producing a version of that song that I can cope with, frankly, because I couldn't quite cope with the previous version. But I'm as much as I am pro share at all times. But it, yeah, huge fan of that. Thanks, Terence. Yes, I was. I wasn't uh, a great fan of the the share original, but I just believe this this fellow's got such a gorgeous voice, and he covers it. This is so lovely. So you, you truly DMAs. believe that man has a good oh, voice. Oh, 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 hey. Hey. Um, late in, in 1975, when I was a very young lad, I had one of my several secondments to go and work for Capital Radio in London as a very junior producer and general dog's body. And at this time, Roger Scott had the idea of nicking a concept from American uh, American mm. radio stations and asking listeners to vote for their favourite tracks of all time and then compiling it into the Capital Radio all-time top 100. And... I was working with Tommy Vance at the time, but so crazy did this idea take off that I was asked to help with this um, top 100 uh, business. Mm. And I I had to make sure that all the tracks, final, of course, Mm -hmm. were all in the library. And on the day of the... (laughs) Those are the days. That's brilliant. We have it so easy now, don't we? Really did. I mean, there was a massive, massive uh, library where, you know, you again, it was a nightmare of uh, filing things in alphabetical order. You know, did you file them under the for the Beatles or B for mm, Beatles or something? Yeah, but anyway, Nick. yes, indeed. No computerization telling you when it, where anything was. There was initially there was a, a, at the Capital Radio Library there was this um, index card thing, but it just got so complicated with you know gripping boxes and boxes of index card that that got abandoned. So it was more a case of hope over expectation that you actually went to to find uh, a single from mm. 1964, the Dave Clark Five. Mm. Was it under Clark? Was it under Five? You know, anyway. Or Dave, um, even I, I might Dave, find that under exactly. Dave, possibly. Yeah. Well, on the day, there was an eight-hour broadcast of the Top 100, and I, I helped answer the phones, and I was pulled. We had, by the way, we had six lines. Imagine that. <laughs> wow. Six lines in total coming in. Um, loads and loads of people rang in to complain that their favourite artist or band wasn't high enough or mm. was missing. We had Cliff Richard fans phoning every five minutes oh, because bet. he yes. didn't appear at all. In the top mm-hmm. hundred, incidentally, in 1975, the top five were for uh, completists. Mm. Yes, um, Nils- Nilsson without you at number five. Mm. Uh, Layla, Eric Clapton at four. Yes. Hey Jude at three. Bridge over troubled water at two. And 10 CC. I'm not in love at number one. How interesting! Mm-hmm. That's that's not a song that you get written up now very much, it is was, it? But of course, it was 1975, and that's yes. when it had been a hit, so it was it, it was familiar in people's minds. Yeah, it is, in, it is incredible, in fairness, and does mm. really deserve a sort of a place high up. And how interesting! Now, since those days, such lists are everywhere. And when I read that Rolling Stone were rebooting their 500 greatest albums of all time for 2020, I thought, surely this idea has had its day. But not so, Jules. Last year alone, the Rolling Stone 500 list had over 63 million hits on the site. So people still care about whether it's the Beach Boys or the Beatles or whoever is at number one. Yes, indeed. And it's interesting, isn't it? Now, now, uh, so as, as regular listeners will know, I do present 
a um, a couple of radio shows that I I've always done well I've done for a few years but I've particularly started doing again during this lockdown time and I um do a, I've been doing a show on Saturday evenings called Saturday Social which focuses on Northern Salt Motown Mod etc and between to do my links I will I will back announce or front announce what the tune is but I like to give people a little bit more information about it so I'll sort of say the band and then I might talk about where that is in the concept of its career. And and in order to do so, I will talk about sort of chart positions and sort of how it did at the time, any cover versions, that sort of thing. And in order to do that, I'll have a look at Wikipedia. Other websites are available, but they're probably not as comprehensive. So I always have a have a look at Wiki. And it's interesting, particularly these songs from the from the 60s era and and doing the Saturday Social, this sort of, you know, I often play very big Motown hits. That's the sort of thing that people that listen want to hear. So when you have a look more often than not it will make reference to either that song or the album it came from being in the rolling stones top 500 of all time Mm. which came out in 2004 i think originally and virtually every single wikipedia article about a big hit will have that in it somewhere will have a reference to it it really did have a huge cultural impact and the rolling stone have now redone their 500 greatest albums of all time list um which is being done has done been done very recently now it's interesting isn't it the the original 500 greatest albums of all time was published in uh, in 2013 and, and sorry in in 2003 and yet um it, with a slight update in 2012 um it's been the most widely read feature in the history of the magazine last year the original 500 as you say it got over 63 million views on the site um so they've they've tapped so but not interestingly i don't know how the original 500 was done whether it was a room of rolling stone writers that argued this time the top 500 um has been they received and tabulated top 50 album lists from more than 300 artists producers critics and music industry figures um the electorate includes beyonce taylor swift and Billie eilish um rising artists none of whom i've heard because i'm me like mm-hmm. h-e-r or i have heard them actually tiara whack which is a hell of a name and whack is spelled w-h-a-c-k and oh, lindsay yeah of course it would and lindsay jordan of snail mail actually this is goes to show this is my my collisions with pop music now i read a review of them in the new statesman that is the only way in which i can cling on to I pop music yeah, fair enough. As well as veteran musicians such as who you probably have heard of, I would say, Adam Clayton in The Edge of You 2 <laughs> Ray Kwan of the, new, the Wu-Tang Clan, Gene Simmons and Stevie Nicks. So I find it very interesting <laughs> that perhaps it is a nod to the Metacritic era. And if listeners haven't heard of this, Metacritic is a website which uh, compiles together album or, or sort of cultural reviews from lots of different sites to give a sort of overall score of what the general sentiment is towards an album so so you know it, uh, an album might get three stars in well everything i'm going to reference no longer exists i suspect but it might get three stars in q it might get four stars in the rolling stone it might get four stars in the Sunday times and they will take together all of those different things and put it into a sort of a or, you know a, a, this is the kind of general sentiment so it's interesting to see the rolling stone moving towards maybe moving with the times moving towards that sort of thing 
as you say, it's strange, isn't it? You'd think we often sort of slightly eye roll about the um, the the, uh, the 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 music heritage press in this country. I have to say, I have subscribed to both Uncut and Mojo during lockdown because, as a friend of mine that writes in Mojo put it, use it or lose it. So I've decided that I do enjoy reading. We talk about magazines a lot on the show, but I do enjoy reading those. So so I. Uh, so so it is occasionally tedious when all you ever get is these kind of let's review everything we've ever reviewed again <laughs> those sort of things having said that both those magazines have excellent review sections of new records which is really why i buy them but um but interestingly there seems to be a market for this sort of thing and i think i've made this argument before but i'll always keep making it that for all there are young people that like to hear the music of now there are always young people that are interested in if young people are really interested in music they'll always hear records from the past as well as records at the moment so you know may, maybe that's why there's never rolling audience for these things and actually if you were into the original one it's interesting to to re, to review the best of the 500 list to see as you as you put well when you were talking about the top 100 that you were involved in mm. in 1975 and 10tc doing well because it was that time interesting to see how these fashions move and how and how different organizations xfm or radio x as it now is now which unfortunately has has gone the way of i mean we call it radio lad now me and my friends because it kind of is that way they did a, a bank holiday best records ever there were no women involved in any of those bands i don't think oh no i think there was one i think that i think the keyboard can candida from pulp was the only woman we could find in that list um but yeah it's it's so so obviously to some extent the audiences sort of reflect the list i think might seven out of audience. their top 10 were all oasis if I yes i mean it is a very narrow kind of philosophy that radio station i think but having said that it there is still an audience for that interestingly mm. but um but i find I, I think it's really fascinating actually looking at uh, you know when a, when a top 500 of this nature is redone 17 years 17 years later i do enjoy the psychology of seeing what records count over time what are the records that we keep with us over the time what are the records that truly endure as great and do they change yes well it's it the, the I thought, well, I thought I'd look at the Rolling Stone list with mm, dismay mm. as everyone voted for their 2019 and 2020 favourites, yeah. rather like the, you know, 1975, I'm not in love at number one. Yeah. But actually, the um, Rolling Stone list of top albums, Lauren Hill at 10, Blood on the mm. Tracks at nine, Purple Rain at eight, seven is Rumours, six is Nevermind, Abbey Road at five, Songs in the Key of Life at four, Joni Mitchell Blue at three, Pet Sounds at two. And what's going on, Marvin Gaye at number one? So I might quibble mm. about Nirvana at six. Otherwise, hard to argue with that, well, that lot, it, in my view. Yeah, agree. And also, it's well, the thing that's enjoyable about that is it is a very diverse list. Mm. I mean, compared to the you know the the all male white dominated list of previously, that reflects a more diverse sort of. Um, Polship, doesn't it? So electorate, that's right. It, it, it's a more sort of diverse electorate, and, and it's interesting that the Lauren Hill record should should uh, should sort of appear so high because 
that record, the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, I assume it is, which it is, is her yeah. kind of only only major sort of solo album to date. It is a magnificent record, but it 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 had such a huge influence on a generation of young women, particularly um, minority black and minority ethnic women. Um, you know, it re- she was a real icon. She she you know to have a woman of color, you know, of, of that stat of that level of stature, producing such a brilliant brilliant work was had such a huge impact and that has never really i think been truly reflected in best of lists until now and i'm really glad this is what happens when you when you don't ask the same male critics all the time white male critics all the time this is you get much more interesting and diverse lists so so like you said like you i was really clear i mean i do because i'm the generation that i am i do really like Nevermind. i think it's great so so i i have less of an issue with that than you do i suspect but i think it's i think it's great you know i i I, 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 you know, if we are going to have these lists, if these lists continue to be important, and they do, because like you say, you know, if millions and millions and millions of people are reading them each year, then clearly they do mean something to people. Why not update them every so often? Mm. Why does everything have to be set in stone all the time? And the records that are genuinely great will come through that. You know, what's going on? Joni Mitchell, you know, they're still there. Aren't songs in the key of life? They're still there. You know, so so I, I'm a huge fan of this updating. I, like you say, I think it's, I find it very cheering that there's a, there's such a, an interesting range of records. I, I really agree because you know, so you, you, anyone can argue that such, such lists are relatively meaningless in the great mm. scheme of things, but people, including me, it turns out, people do care <laughs> as much about their own favourites as much as when I was answering the phones to disgruntled Cliff Richard fans on mm. New Year's Day 1976. So, yeah. Maybe we maybe we always like the idea of, and actually maybe that's become even more so at the moment, because isn't it nice to have something, a, a place where you can put something into a sense of order in an increasingly yes. disordered world? Maybe it's that. Maybe it is. Thank you so much for listening this week. It's great Mm. to have you along. Yes, absolutely. I I echo the sentiments of my learned friend very much. And as you're not going to be shopping for handbags, we can hear you (laughs) surfing the smooth waves this weekend. Yes, you can. My Saturday social show, as aforementioned, is having a little bit of time off. But I will be back. Um, We're recording this on Saturday. We'll be back tomorrow, Sunday, um, Sunday the 27th, 7 to 9 p.m. on my little Mixler channel, which is Mixler, M-I-X-L-R dot com. And then search my, oh, I think it's slash Juliet hyphen Harris, but just search Juliet Harris on the site. I did this little show called Smooth Sailing which is smooth kind of rock yacht rock mor classic pop and it's just a it's just a way to kind of uplift us all on a sunday evening and ease us into the next week and it's a it's a great pleasure to do and uh people people seem to be people seem to enjoy it and it's nice to have that time and to to you know no, I, I, when i first started that show i had to have an excuse to play that that type of music whereas now i am a big embracer of that sort of thing in all its forms it rounds off the weekend in a, in a lovely fashion. Thank you. R- rounds off the weekend, I should say. Yeah, um, or, or, or the week. You know, the weekend well, is yeah. the end of the week, isn't it? So I suppose, I suppose it is. we've got very semantic. But I was yes, right on two fronts. Yeah. You were, as as is often the case. <laughs> a wonderful slice of post-punk to play us out. Yes, I I thought I'd pick this. I I took delivery. I love this phrase. It makes me sound so important. I took delivery <laughs> of a compilation this week called "Make More Noise: Women in Independent UK Music, 1977 to 1987." A four CD box set. Another excellent compilation from Cherry Red Records. They've done a number of these sets, and they're all really good. Uh, this has a, a mix of things that's well known and things that are less are well known. Um, I could have picked anything from this. Frankly, some some wonderful tunes 
on it from that time. But uh, it sort of represents, I think, why in a way post-punk was more interesting than punk because there were an awful lot. Of, there were far more female-fronted bands to pick from. I mean, when you look at the sort of the 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 genres of music that inform this compilation, there are a few punk numbers, but it's mostly post-punk and kind of beyond really. And so I thought I'd pick this. I just think it's such a great tune. There's there's something about it. I love the kind of military marching beat of it. it it's reminiscent of other brilliant bands of that era, like the like the excellent girls at our best. But I thought I'd pick this. This is the Modettes and White Mice.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. Run to his arms the moment he comes home to you. I'm warm.